Happy New Year, Valley Christian Church. So excited to be here with you for the first Sunday of 2021. We made it through 2020, people. We made it through. Give the Lord a praise wherever you are. Tell your neighbor we made it. It is so great to be alive here today, especially knowing that we have gone through a lot of stuff in 2020, whether it was something in your life personally or something that was happening in the world globally, we have seen so much. So this holiday season, I definitely was cherishing just the great and awesome God that we serve because if it had not been for him on my side, I don't know about you, I would not have made it to today. Funny that we're talking about today. That is actually the title of today's message today. And by the way, my name is Stephen Francis, by the way. I forgot to introduce myself. And, and like I already said, I'm excited to be here with you. And, you know, something going on in my life is that this was the first year. But this was, uh, well, let me rephrase. This was my son Maddox's second Christmas, but this was kind of the first year he knew what was happening. So he was super excited to open up the gifts and uh, receive all of these cool items from his relatives. And I, I really loved it. I, I'm now at a place in my life where Christmas is more about the reaction of my son and, and hopefully future kids one day than, than it is about what it is that I get on Christmas. But, you know, while I was looking for gifts to get my son, I was thinking about also just how different of a life that my son is going to have. For instance, my son will never know what dial-up internet is. My son will never know the experience of going to a blockbuster on a Friday, hoping that the movie he wants to get is available behind the cover. Some of you know, many of you know in here what I am talking about today. But... Valley family, when I was thinking about one of the things that I know my son will not experience the same way that I did was my church experience. See, I grew up in an OG Pentecostal Christian church, which meant every Sunday services were always a quick five hours long. If you didn't pack a lunch, if you didn't pack a snack for my church service, you was going to wilter and pass out at my church service. And one of the reasons why our church services went so long in my OG Pentecostal church was because anytime the Holy Ghost came, there was no more restrictions. There was no kind of structure or program in a Sunday service. By the way, that's how you know that you went to an OG Pentecostal church. If they called the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost. All right. Now, when the Holy Ghost came down, for you guys that have no idea what I'm talking about, there were so many times where people would start to run around the auditorium, people would dance in their aisles, and often people would get slain in the spirit. And getting slain in the spirit was this idea that when someone would go up for prayer, when the minister put their hands on them, that they would feel the power of God so Evident, It would be so powerful on them that they would literally pass out from the power of the Holy Ghost. 
And anytime someone got slain in the spirit, it was important that somebody caught them. Now, I've told this story before here at Valley Christian Church, but I want to tell you about something that happened with me when I was a junior deacon. And the jobs of the deacons at our church was to catch the people that got slain in the Holy Ghost when it came time for them to get prayed. Well, there was this one particular Sunday where there were more people getting prayed for than there were ministers to catch them. And I remember at 17 standing behind two women that were praising God, shouting, speeding in un speaking in unknown languages, and I'm literally behind them like this, ready to catch whoever falls first. The woman to my left, she's praising God as hard as she can, and I see her knees buckle super hard, and she starts to fall back, and I go to catch her. However, she completely regains her footing. But while I was standing over there with the woman on my left, the woman on my right goes straight down on the floor. And the woman goes so hard, she hits the ground so hard that not only does her head bounce a little, like, church, seriously, I don't know if she was slain in the Holy Ghost or just regular passed out. Either way, she was for sure in the presence of God in that moment. I guarantee that. But either way, she hit the ground so hard that not only did her head bounce a little, but the wig that she had on the top of her head went from here to back here and to the side. In fact, it looked just like that image that they have on social media sometimes. This is exactly what that lady looked like. True story. I will not lie to you at church. But the worst part is this, is that not only did this lady fall and her wig came off, but me at 17, not knowing what to do and feeling bad that I dropped her, tried to put the wig back on her head by sliding it on with my foot. I kid you not, I tried to use my foot to slide the wig back onto her head. The deacon board said, you need to find a new ministry and church I have been preaching ever since. That's why I'm here. But the other thing about preaching and growing up in, in an OG Pentecostal home is that there were so many restrictions growing up. I had so many friends that would come up to me and they would say, Stephen, do you like those new Harry Potter books? Do you gonna, are you going to go see the movies? And I'd be like, absolutely not. That's witchcraft and sorcery. I will have nothing to do with that. Hey, Stephen, do you want to uh, go play Pokemon with us? We just got the new Pokemon game. And I'd be like, mm, that's demonic. I want nothing to do with that. Keep that away from me. I'm sorry. That's what they told me at church. And there were so many times even where we were told that any type of Christian, oh, we could only listen to Christian music. We couldn't listen to secular music, which was any music that wasn't Christian. And I actually remember this was, I think I was 15 for this one, where we were at a church service where they made people burn their non-Christian music. And I remember a friend throwing a CD into a fire and then running back to me and saying, Stephen, you won't believe this. When I threw my Will Smith greatest hit CD in the fire, I heard a demon hiss, bro. And I was like, first off, when you throw anything in a fire, you're going to hear weird noises. But that's not what we should be talking about. Why do you have a Will Smith's greatest hits CD? Who likes getting jiggy with it that much that you play it on repeat? That's the problem here. But despite all the restrictions that I had, there was one movie that I was always allowed to watch growing up. And that was a movie called The Prince of Egypt. 
And many of you guys know what I'm talking about. The Prince of Egypt was the animated retelling of the story of Moses. If you have not seen it and you're watching this right now, I need you to find it after this service. I promise it's going to add a blessing to your life. And I know that there's some old season saints that are watching right now that are saying, mm -mm -mm. the best Moses movie you will ever watch is the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. That's the only Moses movie you will ever need. But whatever your taste, it was my taste to watch The Prince of Egypt. It was so good to me. And recently over the holiday, I watched this movie with my son. And it was a great time together. And as I was watching this movie, though, I started to realize that my perspectives has changed since I originally watched this movie. See, when I was watching the movie as a kid, I always identified myself with Moses. But now growing up, there's another character in the film and also another character in scripture that I think I most resemble. And I actually think perhaps there are people watching right now that resemble this character as well. So we're going to dive into this today. And for anyone that's not familiar with the story of Moses, just let me quickly let you know, Moses was a man that was selected by God to deliver the people of Israel while they were enslaved in Egypt. And the way that Moses was supposed to deliver the people of Egypt was he was supposed to confront the Pharaoh and say, let the people go, or if you do not let them go, you will suffer along with your people through a series of plagues. And this is where we pick up today's story. Exodus 8, chapter 1 says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says. Let my people go so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs on your whole country. The Nile will teem with frogs. They will come up into your palace and your bedroom and onto your bed, into the houses of your officials and on your people and into your ovens and kneading troughs. The frogs will come up on you and your people and all your officials. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land. Now, Valley family, it's important that we not just read scripture, but that we put ourselves into the narrative of scripture. Because many of us know what it feels like to have an unwelcome critter in our home. Perhaps it was a large spider that was in your home. Maybe you had a mouse in your home. Maybe you had an unwelcome relative in your home. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We, we love you, Auntie. But either way, many of us know what it feels like to have something in our home that we don't want to be there. So imagine that you not just have one frog in your house. Imagine having so many frogs come into your house that you don't know where to put your foot without crushing them. Imagine so many frogs in your house that when you go to try to get food, all of the frogs are already all over your food. Imagine having so many frogs in your house that when you try to sleep at night, that the frogs aren't just jumping all over you, but many of us know the sounds that frogs make at night. No one is getting sleep in Egypt. I'm just talking about frogs in your house. Imagine frogs outside. Imagine frogs everywhere you go. This was a very unique, but also difficult plague. And here's the thing. I wonder who today may be going through a plague of their own. A 
A plague is simply something that keeps you in continuous trouble or stress. It's easy to say, especially in the year 2020, that the coronavirus was a plague. Shoot, it still is a plague. But maybe the plague that you're dealing with is a little bit more personal. Perhaps your mental health is plagued. Maybe your physical health is plagued. Perhaps your financial difficulty is a plague on your life. Maybe you're dealing with some toxic relationship or just a really difficult time in your relationships. And that feels like a plague to you. And anyone that has gone through a plague of any sort always wants the same thing, to be free of the plague. This was the case for Pharaoh, of course. So Pharaoh says this in chapter 8, starting at verse 8. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave you the honor of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs, except for those that remain in the Nile. In the Nile. Now, Valley family, this next verse is one that has me completely perplexed because Pharaoh is dealing with a plague in his life. Pharaoh wants to be free of this plague. He tells Moses that he wants to be free of this plague. Moses says, I am able to talk to God to deliver you from these plagues. When would you like for me to tell God to deliver you from these plagues? And Pharaoh says this. Tomorrow. See, I'm confused. Because why would you have such a difficult plague in your life? Why would you know that God wants to free you from the plague in your life? And instead of saying, God, free me from the plague today, you instead say tomorrow. Now I'm talking about Pharaoh, but I want you to think about you. What is it in your life that is plaguing you? that God is ready to deliver you from today. But instead you say tomorrow. Maybe it's not a plague. Let me rephrase. What is it that God might be calling you to today? What is it that God may be calling you out of today? But instead you say tomorrow. I have to admit I've been in this situation where I've had this strange spiritual procrastination. I want God to do something mighty in my life. But for whatever reason, my feet are slow to receive what it is that he may have for me. And I think there's a few reasons why this happens. I think the first reason is that oftentimes it's because the condition of the miracle that we want has not been said. I'm willing to admit that I've had times in my life where I said, God, I want you to bless me so so I can be generous. But I can't really be generous with what it is that I already have. 
until I get some more money. God, I want to serve and love others and for you to bless me so that I can be a blessing to other people. But I'm really busy right now. And when I get more free time, then I myself will start to interact and, and bless and serve others. God, I want you to do a work in my marriage and with my children and, and with my boss and my coworkers. But I can't really love them the way you called me to because they're not really acting the way that I would like. So when they get their act together, then I will love them the way you called me to. God, I know that these people think differently than me and have different political views. So I can't really be a true neighbor and love them until they see things my way. The question that I have for many of us here today, is there anything in our lives that God wants to do in your life today that you're just too busy for? That you're just too preoccupied with something else? So instead of God blessing you today and what it is that he has for you, You'd rather wait until everything else falls into place so that you can do whatever it is that you want the way that you believe it should be done. You know, the other thing I think oftentimes that we pray about for God to do in our lives today, we often pray for God to do something in our lives today that actually aren't in his department to do. I was talking with another pastor friend the other day and we were talking about how we've definitely gained some COVID weight on top of some holiday weight and some other things. And we were joking around and he was telling me that, man, his, his workout plan right now is to just pray and pray and pray that God would take the weight away from him. And we thought that was funny because, yes, it's okay to pray for those things, and I encourage you to pray for those things for favor and whatever it is that you want from God. But there are still things that only you are responsible to do. See, I can pray God help me lose weight, but it's ultimately me that has to work out, that has to eat better. See, I can pray for God to bless my marriage, and I pray that God does bless every marriage that is watching right now and every relationship that's watching right now. But also, God can't set up the date for me. I have to make the reservation. I have to make the time to love my wife the only way that I can. Many of us are waiting on God when God is waiting on us. And I have some news for you, Valley family. Yes, there is such a thing as waiting in faith, but many times acting in faith can do way more than waiting in faith ever could. But I don't think that's the situation that we see here with Pharaoh. See, I don't think he was waiting for the conditions to be right to set the people free. I don't think he was stuck in a situation where he was hoping for God to do something that ultimately he was responsible for. I actually think the reason why Pharaoh was so stuck 
was because even though he wanted his situation to change, he didn't want to change himself. We see this Exodus chapter 8, 12. After Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had brought on Pharaoh. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs died in the houses, in the courtyards, and in the fields. They were piled into heaps, and the land reeked of them. But when Pharaoh saw that, they were, that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. See, what's interesting is that Pharaoh was also a slave. He was a slave to his own will. He was a slave to his own sinful habits. And I think what's so interesting is that in the moment of difficulty, I wonder if he said, you know what, I do want to let the people of Israel free so that I can have a better life. But also, being a slave owner is all I know. That's where I've wrapped my identity in. That's where I've placed my, my importance. I don't know what life is without being the slave owner of these people. I think there are certain people watching right now where you are dealing with some sin habits, where you're dealing with some difficult dysfunction in your life that you know that God can deliver you from. But at the same time, you've grown so comfortable with it, you don't know what life would be like without it. The idea of being free from it actually feels scarier than living with this dysfunction for the rest of your life. I've had times in my own life, and I've talked about it on this stage, where I was in toxic relationships that I knew I didn't need to be a part of. Yet at the same time, the idea of leaving that person and being alone by myself was even scarier. I've had people in my life where I knew I needed to forgive them, but the idea of forgiving them and just letting them live the rest of their lives without any repercussions from me didn't feel right. So many times in my life did I know that God was ready to change something in me, but I was scared of being different than what I am right now. But I have some good news for you, and I want to tell it to you in the form of a story. Now, this is going to be very silly, but this is a true story. You know, something that I was dealing with also in my teenage years was, was a really difficult situation in my tween years, teenage, 12, 13. And it's something that many men, if not all men, struggle with to some capacity. You don't have to be a Christian to struggle with this particular thing. And the thing that I struggled with specifically was that I was an extremely musty individual. I really stank all the time. I was one of those kids. I was always playing outside with my friends and getting into some type of craziness. Uh, and, and, and I would always come back and I would stink the whole house up because of the way that I smelled. And I remember my parents starting to get upset with me and they would be like, Stephen, we love you, son, but you need deodorant. You reek, man. Like you can't be running around here like this. No one wants to be around you. You stink. 
And I remember keep thinking to myself, I was like, man, I'm fine. I'm completely fine. My, I'm accepted by my friends. I don't need to change anything. Let me live my life. Let me live my truth. And I remember, again, at this old school Pentecostal church, I was sitting in a room for Sunday school, and I was a couple rows back from this girl named Tiana Brooks. This was the first girl I ever had a crush on. And I was sitting back there scared to talk to her because I was looking like that kid from Charlie Brown that had the flies flying around him all the time. And I remember uh, that she was sitting in the front and this other guy named Alex Thomas walks in, who's the same age as me. I thought I was better looking, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Either way, Alex Thomas walks in and he walks past Tiana Brooks. And Tiana Brooks leans into her friend that was sitting next to her and says, oh my gosh, girl, he smells so good. I love a dude that smells good. And Valley Family, I went home that day, and I didn't just put on deodorant. I bought Axe body spray. I was using my dad's cologne behind his back. And I went from smelling so bad because I didn't have deodorant to smelling so bad because the deodorant I had was way too strong. And I tell you that silly story just to make this point. I had a moment in my life where I thought my parents trying to change me was them making me give up something, give up my independence. When in reality, I was actually gaining something better. Whatever it is that God is trying to change in your life today is not so that you can live in absence of whatever it is that you once had, but it is so that you can gain something better. It won't just change your life. It will change even the people around you. What I love about Jesus is that he is such a prolific God. Jesus is ready to not just change you, but because of the changes that he puts in you, it's going to change your family. It can change generations. It can change communities. It could change the world even because you decided to choose God today. And there are blessings that God has for you to impact so many people around you. But it is predicated upon your obedience of choosing him today. There are people waiting on the other side of your obedience today. That you won't see the impact of until tomorrow. So we see this. Several other plagues happen. And eventually, Pharaoh says, you know what? Take the people and go. I mean it this time. Get out. But then we see this unfortunate thing happen in Exodus 14. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. This helps me realize that we need to choose God today, that we need to choose to let Jesus do a change in our lives today, but that also it's a daily thing. I think one of the things that's so true about us as human beings is that we are prone to leak we deflate easily. And I've had so many times in my life where I was like, Jesus, I love you. I'm serving you no matter what. Only to like a couple of hours later to be like, Jesus, where are you? Why aren't you there? Why don't you care? 
Jesus, I know you're a miracle working God. God, I know that you can do something powerful in the lives of those that believe. I don't even know if miracles happen anymore. How could, by, how could God be so good when all these bad things are happening around me? So easy to start off with good intentions only to eventually after a day or two just regress back to the people that we were before. Isn't that one of the biggest problems with New Year's resolutions? We start off with good intentions only to go back to what we were but I believe this is why Jesus says we need to pick up our crosses daily. I believe that's why Jesus says, or, or Paul says in Romans 12, that we need to be constantly renewing our minds in Christ Jesus. Because the things that God wants to do in our lives today that will change tomorrow needs to be a daily decision. Many of you know how the story ends. Pharaoh and the army of Egypt go after the people of Israel and there's this epic moment where the Red Sea is parted and they cross on dry ground and the sea collapses on the Egyptian army. It is an incredible passage of scripture and also a really cool scene from the Prince of Egypt movie. But the good news that I have for all of you watching today is that that doesn't have to be your story. That God's mercies are new every morning. That God has a plan and a purpose and he's ready to start it in your life today. It's a new year. You could be a new you. And I know many of you have your word of the year and your New Year's resolutions and all of these great things. But the one thing I want to be sure to ask you as we begin this new year is this. Will you choose Jesus today? Will you choose to trust him with no matter what comes in this year? No matter what happens to the situations that you were facing last year that are coming along, that are still here with you right now. I believe that there is a God that loves you. I believe that there is a God that steps into whatever is plaguing your life. I believe that there is a God that is ready to deliver and set free and make new and he's willing to do it all today. Will you pray with me? Savior, thank you for your love. Lord, we are living in the ripple effect of over 2,000 years ago, someone that decided that day to die on the cross for our sins so that we may have new life. Lord, as we are in this new year, we have big expectations, we have dreams, we have goals. And Lord, we just want to give it all to you. Lord, we want to choose you to be the one that leads us, to be the one that satisfies us, to be the one that makes us the 
people who we need to be. Let us not go another step forward without first choosing you today. We choose you, whether for the first time, whether all over again. And we thank you in Jesus' name.